turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We'll jump down to verse 7 and then we'll jump down to verse 15 through 17. Genesis chapter 2. Amen. Again, it's glad to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Last Sunday this time I was in Paris. Actually, yeah, I was in Paris last Sunday this time. And um, it was a wonderful trip. First time to Europe. Been a lot of places, but this is my first time to Europe. It was some experience. Oh, some experience. Uh, while I was there, um, here's a little lesson for you. You would think when you go on vacation, that's your time. And you just get some R&R, and you just enjoy whatever God has brought you to, enjoy the environment and the atmosphere, and you don't have to worry about anybody else. Nobody can reach you. You're just enjoying the atmosphere, and you're just doing what you feel like doing. Just whatever you want, you do, because it's your time, and you're on vacation. That's the normal way of thinking. That's how we would think, right? Well, while I was on vacation, the Lord sat me down at a table in the hotel lobby and start to talk to me about today's sermon. I just laugh. You can't get up. You can't, you can't live for God when you want. <laughs> you might want to live for God when you want, but God will not accept it. And so sometimes you want to feel like, well, I just want to do me right now. And God is saying, is that what you want? then I'll just stay away from you and leave you alone that you will keep doing you. God wants all or nothing. Yes. And so when you just want to do you and keep God out, God says, okay, because I love you, I'm not going to force my will on you. This is why when he created Adam and Eve and he laid the garden there and put the tree, we'll read about it, and he put the tree there, guess what he was saying? I'm giving you a choice to either love and obey me or do whatever you want. So he's always been that way, not wanting to go against our will. It's up to us what God does in our life. It's not up to God. God wants to do great things in your life, but it's still up to you. Will you open up your heart and your life and say, do it, Lord, do it, Lord. Or will you just say, hold on, God, let me do me right now. And believe me when I tell you, when we say, God, hold on, let me do me right now, God will back off. And so when you call on him tomorrow, he's saying, no, you do you. When you call on him tomorrow and say, God, I realized yesterday I tried to do me and I excluded you. Forgive me. I'm giving you all of me now. And so today, tomorrow, the next day and forever, you have me. That's when he gets back working in your life and starts speaking to you and start guiding you and start blessing you and start doing whatsoever it is that he desired to do in your life. But we can't hold him back. When we want. I said at the prayer meeting yesterday, we can't treat God like we treat our jobs. Punch in eight hours. Do what you're supposed to do for the Lord. At the end of eight hours, punch right back out and then live your life. You can't live for God that way. God will not accept that. We'll get into the word of God and see how it worked this morning. Amen. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of, somebody say life. Life. And man became a living soul. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded man... Saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The Bible says he put a tree in the midst of the garden... It is one tree, but that tree, when you eat of it, will give you knowledge of good and evil, which means when God created us, all we knew was good. 
That's all we knew when we first was created. When Adam was first created, all he knew was good. He didn't know any wrong. He didn't know what bad was. And that's why God said, leave that tree alone, because that tree will make you know evil as well as good. And once you know evil, that's where the struggle starts in If you don't know evil, you can't struggle. There's only one way. But if you know what evil is, and I can confess to you this morning, because I was not always a Christian, a Christian, so many moments come up in my life and remind me of evil that I've done, remind me of wrong that I've done, and I have to fight with the Spirit of God and the Word of God to keep on trucking and doing right because evil is always present because we were introduced to evil. But if we weren't introduced to evil, we wouldn't have to struggle and fight and fuss and worry about, oh, you know, I don't want to do wrong. It wouldn't be an issue. God gave us that choice, though. He didn't force us to be good. He didn't say you better be good. He says, don't mess with that tree. Just, Just trust me. God is still saying that today. Just trust me. Don't do that. And we're still saying, but it just looks so good. Let me try it, Lord. I'll say one more thing before I pray. Understand this. I know that all we have to do is go to God and ask for forgiveness whenever we do wrong. And God will forgive us. It's just that simple. God don't hesitate. He doesn't struggle. He doesn't get upset talking about, well, hold on before I forgive you. He doesn't do that. God is ready to forgive you of any sin you've committed before you can even open your mouth and utter it. He's ready to forgive you. You know why that is? Because every wrong that we do only hurts us. It never hurt God. When we sin, even though God forgive us, we got to struggle with that sin for the rest of our life. This is why. Help me, Jesus. This is why we got to be different with how we handle Uh, people that have broken the law. We keep allowing people that break the law to keep on paying. That's wrong. Because the wrong that they did to go serve the time they serve is enough that they got to deal with for the rest of their life. You think when people do wrong, they just, I don't care how well they seem to you, how they're acting, functioning, and behaving. It doesn't matter how well they seem when you see them deep down, they're struggling, and they're, they're struggling with things, and they're fighting with things, and things they have to get over. It doesn't matter how they present themselves. They're struggling. And our system said, but we're going to make you struggle some more. We're going to remind you of what you do, what you did. Every day we're going to remind you of what you did. Amen. That's not God's way. Amen. God already know that you're going to have to deal with that. That's why he's so willing to say, let me forgive you right now. Because that's not the issue you're going to have to deal with a lot. What you're going to have to deal with a lot is knowing the wrong that you've done. Amen. Because when we ate from the tree, we... <laughs> Father, we love you. In the name of Jesus, will you do a mighty work among your people? God, we just want your spirit to move and dominate and your word to minister. God, deliver to the uttermost, save to the uttermost. And oh my God, do a work that will change our life, our outlook, and our direction forever. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For those of you that sometimes you hear me speak in a different language, I just want you to know the Bible says that when we receive the Holy Ghost, the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is that we will speak with other tongues. And when we speak with other tongues, it's not something weird. It's just what God said will happen to us when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so you are, when you have the Holy Ghost, the Bible says you will be inspired. It will, it will cause you sometimes to speak in an unknown language. And that's 
that's what you hear from me at times. It, it doesn't mean I choose to do it. It means that the Spirit has given me the utterance and somehow I can't control it, but it comes out that way. I'm praying in English, but all of a sudden I start to pray in a language I don't even understand. But it's the Spirit of God that's given me the utterance to do that. It's not something I came up with. It's not a language that I learned. It's the Spirit of God working through me. And so today, I will speak under the unction of the Spirit of God and not my own mind and intellect. Today, I want to entitle this message, The Gift of Life. The Gift of Life. In Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll talk about that in a second, but back to where we started in the Garden of Eden. Life is a gift to us. From Almighty God. If you were able to be born by your own ability, raise your hand. Oh, nobody raised their hand. Life is a gift from God. The Bible says in Him, meaning in Jesus Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. What it means is life didn't exist without God. So the only way life can exist is if God make it exist. So today we're living a life that is a gift that was given to us. So God's gift to us, listen to me carefully. I wrote a lot of things that the Lord was just putting in my heart, my spirit. God's gift to us is life. What we do with the life God gives us can be our gift to God. And if, it, and if we make it a gift to God, then it will ultimately cause us to receive eternal life. Amen. Did you follow me on that? Amen. Yeah. Amen. What I'm saying is, let me say it a different way, that God gives us natural life. We're living, breathing, and moving. God gave us that. We can enjoy that and do whatever we want with that. Or we can figure out how to appreciate that God has given that to us. And we will say, God, I really appreciate and thank you for giving me life. Allowing me to come to this planet called Earth. I thank you for that. And so in my way of saying thank you, I am going to live this life in a way that it will be a gift back to you. You will be honored by the life that I'm living. And so I will live the way you feel you choose for me to live and that will be my gift back to you and when you live that life god gives you the gift of eternal life the life you get today to come into this world that's not eternal life and so the life that we know today it's not eternal life but if we live it right we will receive the gift of eternal life you follow me god's gift of life to us does not guarantee us eternal life as we clearly can see in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 when God says but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die so God gave you life and told you if you live the way you want you're going to die. That death that God is referring to would be a physical death and a spiritual death. When God created mankind, He created mankind to live forever. Your body was never going to deteriorate and die and go back to the earth. Your body was created to live forever. But when we sinned against God, we cut off our lifespan. And now death started entering into our body and started decaying our body. And then spiritually we became disconnected from God. So when the Bible says death, in this particular text, it's dealing with two kinds of death. Physical death and spiritual death. What are you doing with the gift of life that God has given you? you got to ask yourself that. You've been given this gift called life. What are you doing with that gift called life? Is it to go to Paris? Is it to go to Venice? Is it to go to the Caribbean? 
Is it to just hang around where you live or go back to where you, you originally were born and just enjoy and do you? What are you doing with this gift that God has given you called life? Adam and Eve did what they wanted with the gift of life God gave them and they died spiritually and physically. Can I tell you something this morning, church? Whatsoever God says, Tony, it will come to pass. And because God is merciful, when God says something will happen and we go against what God says will happen, because we don't see the results immediately, we think that God really wasn't telling us everything. When all God was doing is being merciful. We, 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 we mistake God's mercy for thinking that God is not honoring what he said he would do. Uh-huh. So because God is slow to do exactly what he said he would do, we think, oh, I guess I can keep doing this because when I did it, God didn't do anything. Can I tell you, God is not emotional like us. We may get emotional because of situations and challenges that we face. We may become emotional, but God don't allow his emotion to dictate how he responds or how we do whatever he does. God does not function by emotion. God functions by faith, and only faith will move God. You want to move God? It's not about crying. You want to move God? It's not about telling him how much you're sorry. You want to move God. You move by faith. Me and you, it's how we're made. Our emotions get in the way a lot of times. And so we kind of start thinking that's how God operates. Because God is God, nobody controls him. Can I give you an example? If you have children, especially when they were young, and they become emotional, you just go over to them. What's the matter? You know why you're saying that? Because you don't know what's the matter. You're trying to figure out what's the matter. When we pout and we got situations going on, God don't have to come and say, what's the matter? Because he already knows what's going on in your life. He's already, he's, he already knows what's wrong with you. So he doesn't have to come to say, what's the matter? So your emotion is not what God is going to respond to. God is going to respond to faith. Now, can I tell you this? Can emotion get involved when, with your faith leading? Sure it can. So I can demonstrate faith and my emotion will follow behind it. That's fine. But faith has to be the thing that will be ahead of us and move ahead of us. That's what get God to respond. So Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And as God said it, it happened. They died spiritually and they died physically. Here's how you know they died physically. They started, the body started decaying and they started aging. That's how you knew that. But it took a long time. If you go back to Bible years, you'll see people live till 800 years old. And, but now they're saying a lifespan is what? 70 years old. So that's how you know God's word is so effective that it, it was transpiring from then till now. And we're cutting down in years and years because whatever God says, it has to happen. So they died physically. Here's how they died spiritually. You remember a part of that scripture in the Bible in that same Genesis. I didn't read it this morning, but if you read your Bible, you'll know about this. Where it says, and God said to Adam, he called out to Adam and says, Adam, where art thou? Did God not know where Adam was since he's the all-knowing God and all-present God? Did he not know where Adam was? Sure he did. But why did he ask Adam, where are you? What he meant, what he was saying was, you're no longer connected to me spiritually. You and I were walking together. You and I were having fellowship together. You and I were buddies, man. We were just moving right along in that garden. And then all of a sudden you disobeyed me and now I can't even feel you. Where I came to meet you today, you weren't even there. 
When you disobey God, you take yourself out of position. We can't say, well, I just can't. And still be connected with God. Take my time with that. We can't get to a place of when we, we have a, a situation where God says do and you say, I can't and stay connected to God. That's what happened in the garden. God says, don't eat of the tree. I hear you, Lord. And then they ate. And guess what happened after they ate? Man had to start praying. I know you missed all that. In the garden, Adam didn't have to pray, Tony. What you got to pray for when you're all connected up and everything is good? In the, in the garden, Adam was having constant fellowship with God. There was no need for prayer. But when we sinned and separated ourselves from God, now we got to do a different kind of communication to God. We got to pray. They didn't have to pray in the garden. So when we disobey God, guess what we got to do? Yes, we're still there today. Until you get to heaven when you disobey God, that's our work. So that's how we get back right with God, is pray. It's the only way. Hmm. Whatever God says, it will come to pass. We can choose to live life the way we want which, by the way, will never please God. Can I work with that for a little bit? If you live the life you want to live, the gift of life that God has given you, if you choose to live it the way you want, that's fine. That's fine. But you can't please God anymore. If you live it the way you want, you're not pleasing God. You want me to tell you what the Bible says? Look at Romans 8, chapter 8. Put that one on the overhead, Sister Patrice. I want everybody to see this because they might have thought I made that up. Romans 8, verse 8. What does that say? Oh, 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 oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Huh. You know what the flesh means? I know you might be thinking something different. Let me tell you what the flesh means. The flesh means your carnal mind. In other words, if you live for God according to your own passions. If you live for God according to your own passions, that's the carnal mind. So if you live for God saying, I'm just, I just feel. I just feel. I don't understand why. I just can't. I'm just going to do me. I just. That's called the carnal mind. And what does it say about the carnal mind? Cannot please God. We're struggling today, people, because we got to understand that with God, it's all or nothing. But I'm going to help you this morning. I'm not going to leave you where you are. I'm going to help you this morning. Our flesh causes us to sin against God, even when that's not your intentions. I'm telling you, we, you, you, you start, most times we end up sinning by starting out doing something innocent. It's not because we're bad people. We came from God. So we're not bad people. We're not evil people. But what happened is we function in the carnal mindset. And when the carnal mindset is ruling over us, we will find ourselves starting out doing something innocent. And before you know it, you're not pleasing God. You're sinning. And you're asking yourself, how in the world did I get into this situation? Because you were living by the carnal mind. That's how you got there. God says if you stay carnal, you can't please him. So that's why we have to live spiritually. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I tell you this? Wages are payments. 
The only way to receive payment for anything is to earn it. When you go to your job and you work, you earn your wages by working. When we continue in sin, the wages we earn is death. Can I put it plain for you? God don't put people in hell. People earn hell. I know, I, I know it's tough. I know this is heavy preaching. I try my Listen, I can't help but to be who I am, people. I'm sorry if I'm offending you. If I'm making you feel uncomfortable, I can't help it. This is who God made me to be. And this is the kind of pastor that's going to pastor this church. But I tell you one thing. If you stay in this church, you're going to be something super duper for Christ. You're not going to be no ordinary Christian. You're not just going to be just a number. You're going to be a contributor. You're, God's going to raise you up to do mighty things and great things because he He's making it strong for you. I'm speaking from the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm not speaking in my flesh. And so, God don't send us to hell. Nobody can send you to hell. We earn it. It's our wage. Because we lived the way we wanted to. Because we stayed in a carnal mindset and did how we felt and let our passions rule us. And that's how we kept living and we kept on building up our wage. And now we just kept on earning and earning and finally we earn eternal damnation in hell. God didn't put us there. We earned it. And so nobody will be able to say, God, I can't believe. I can't believe I ended up here. I can't believe you let me go here. God's going to say, I didn't let you go anywhere. I didn't didn't send you anywhere. You earned it. That was your wage. That's what you kept on working at. That's what you kept on building up. Your wage. He says, the wages of sin is death. Somebody say, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we, listen to this, we earn hell, but eternal life is a gift from God. You telling me, I have to work and sweat and toil to go to hell, but Tony... If I just please God, I get a gift to go to heaven and have eternal life. Satan sure do know how to trick us. Somehow we're not thinking like that. Somehow we don't understand. What, we got to dig into this word that if I go to hell, I got to work hard. I got to sweat. I got to keep on doing wrong. I got to keep on letting the weight of the world be on my shoulder. I got to keep on doing wrong to go to hell. But if I go to heaven, all I got to do is please God and I get this gift of eternal life. Which one seemed heavy? Which one seemed easier to you? You tell me which one seemed easier. Because anytime you work, it takes a toll on your body. Anytime you work hard, you get tired. Anytime you live in sin, it's going to wear you out. That's what sin does. It wears you out. And sooner or later, it will just destroy you. It will overtake you and destroy this frame that's called your body. But if you just please God. Did you know the scripture says, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Stop and think about that for a second. I just told you what sin does. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I tell you what that is? I'll show you how it works. A big ox, big mule, you little baby hooked up to that big strong ox and the strong ox is hooked up to you so what happens is it's like a headgear that control you both and so wherever the big ox go you little one go follow with him you just wherever he takes you you're just going so once you learn of him 
Help us, Jesus. You take, don't take me down that road, Lord. But once you learn of him, it's just, just keep on following him. You're not doing anything. He's just going. And once you learn his ways, all you're doing is he's going to make a left turn right here. It's easy because you have learned his ways. Then he says, for my yoke is easy. It means what I'm doing will be easy for you. Then he says, my burden is light. You know what that means? All of the heavy weight is on the big ox and none on the little one. So what I'm trying to tell you is when we yoke up with Christ and we begin to move with him, it's easy and it's light. He is carrying all the weights. He is carrying all the burden. He's carrying all of the hardcore stuff. And all you're doing is following. And at the end of that, he gives you eternal life. Man, that's some good stuff. That's all I got to do is follow him and I get eternal life as a gift. Lord, help me. How can I not do that? The other way is just keep on earning and earning and earning, working hard like a dog to get to hell. That's really what it comes down to. Live life to please God. Somebody say live life to please God. You know, what I figured out, it's best to live life to please God. Because if we don't, we will just live life to please something or somebody else. Hmm. Check this out. Do you ever wonder what 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 establishes or what determines how we live in our society? Let's stop there for a second. I told my son and brother Micah, they will fit right in in Paris. <laughs> Paris is considered the fashion capital of the world. They come up with this, the fashion. They, they make the statement of how you need to look. And so when you go there, everybody's suit is cut to the max. I mean, fitted tight. I mean, people, I don't know, they, they walk a certain way because it's just so fitted. One day I saw a guy, I saw the best fitted suit one day. We was in a bus tour. I tapped my wife. I said, look at that dude. That suit is like, bam, like they painted the suit on him. And he, but he still looked comfortable and cool. I'm like, my goodness. But who determines how they dress in Paris? Who determines that that suit's supposed to look like that? And now everybody. When I went to the, we, we sit at the hotel and at the hotel, everybody that work in the hotel wears a suit. Paint it on. I mean, tight. And I'm like, whoa. Made me think of my son and Micah. I told Micah yesterday, he was in Newark. I said, man, you and my son can go to Paris and fit right in. Y'all can go to Paris and start a church. And y'all be fine because they're like, oh, that's our kind of pastor. (laughs) That's how it works, man. There's somebody for everybody. That's why God, just be who you are because God wants to use your character and personality just the way it is. All you got to do is just be holy and be righteous, but just be who you are because God's got somebody that you will identify with. So who determines how they should look in Paris? Who determines how we need to dress and look in America? Who determines how they dress and look in the Middle East? Who is making up these guidelines and these rules on how we're supposed to live? It sure ain't God. So the question is, If you live according to society, you're not living your own life. People and society determine how we need to live, how we need to dress. And they do it so well that we begin to embrace it and act like we was the one that came up with it. Ask my son over there, he'll tell you, oh, I started this. That's our personality. We think we be starting stuff. I I do that too. I remember I used to come up with sayings. And I said, man, I started that. And all of a sudden, everybody's saying that. I don't know what's, why people got issues with that. We think we start stuff. But that's how society works wherever you live. 
they will, you will fit right in and start to do what they do. And all of a sudden you think you came up with that. No, somebody determined that for you. And you just joined right in and you're doing what somebody determined for you. So I'm asking you this morning again. Are you living for yourself? Are you living for somebody else? Or are you living for God? Because if you live for anything but God, you're living for somebody else. Living life to please God is very difficult. Somebody say that. Living life to please God is very difficult. Here's the caveat. At first. I know you, 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 yeah. I know you wanted me to keep on going from that. No, 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 no. Living life to please God is hard at first. Man, I'm watching the time. I don't want to go. Because there's so much. That, that's, not, that's the only drawback to when the preacher missed a Sunday. Got too much in me. Too much. And I don't want to keep you. So, it's difficult at first to live life to please God. But if you will just keep at it, it will become second nature. <laughs> you know, alright, leave that there. Let me talk about this. We met a young lady in Paris. She was from Boston. And our world is so small, when you move around, you realize there's always going to be some connectivity. But she was from Boston. Her family's from Portugal. And she had went over to Paris to study. And she liked it. And she went back. And now she's living there. She's a waitress at the hotel. And she's going to school. And she just flow with the, with, the, with the French. I mean, she was just speaking French fluently. I, the, the French sound good. Oh, French sound good. That's why the French people, the, the French people just, you know, they, 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 they think they're special because they know how to talk and it just flow. And I'm just like, whoa, that sound good. And so she's over there and she's flowing. But can you imagine when she first got there? Let me tell you something. The French people, they kind of feel like they up here and everybody else is below. I'm just telling you the truth. And so they don't cater to you. If you can't speak French, that's your business. Man, I remember one day we went to the mall in Paris. We had the mall. It was about 10 restaurants. And we tried to figure out which restaurant to eat. To eat at? Well, the restaurant chose us because... Nine of those restaurants, the menu's written in French. No, no translation. I laughed. It was so fun. I enjoyed myself because I took myself out of familiar and went into unfamiliar. And how you survive it was dependent on who you really was as a person. Can you, can you talk to people? Can you, can you try to communicate when you and them have different language? And so we looked at the menus like, oh, snap. We can't even order. We went to one restaurant and said, we like to get seated too. No speaking English. <laughs> we were trying like, well, can somebody see us so somebody that speaks English can wait on us? No. So we just couldn't eat at that restaurant. We had to go to the restaurant where it gives you the, the, the French and then it gives you English. But my point is, if I stay in Paris long enough, because I like it, I'm going to become accustomed to it and I'm going to start speaking French and all of a sudden I'm going to act like I'm French. With the skinny suits. And walking around like I'm the man. And if you don't speak English, that's your business because I speak French. That's what would happen. And so, we have to be mindful that if we're following anything but God, we're following somebody else and not really what we want. Following God might seem difficult at first, but if you keep at it, it will become second nature to you. And so here is what I'm trying to tell you. I talked about this just a tad bit at the Prison Friday. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. Many of us don't keep at it long enough and it becomes a struggle all your life. 
somebody hear me this morning. There is a point in your life if you keep following after God that if you follow long enough, obedient, and be available to God, you're going to grasp this life so well that it becomes second nature and nothing can stop you and nothing can prevent you from obeying and walking and living the way God wants you to. But a lot of people back out before they get to that place of just flowing. A lot of people stop and back up before they get to that place of just living that life fluently. We can't stop. We have to keep at it. We have to keep at it till we get to the place where we're going and we can't be stopped. That's the challenge. That's what I discovered. I don't even know which part I am now in my lesson. Because this is so in me. Let me tell you. Let, let me tell you. In. Here, here we go. In Europe. Particularly France. And Italy. When you get there. You sit down for dinner. I'm going to be done in just a moment. I'm not going to keep any longer. When we sit down. For dinner. The first thing they say to you is. The first two things they say to you is. Water, still, or sparkling, or wine. When you sit down for dinner, Tony, okay, wine is like Halo Farm juice. Wine is like Kool-Aid. Wine is like whatever you want, like Coca-Cola. Wine is whatever we drink all the time in America. That's what wine is in Europe. So when you sit down, they coming up with a wine bottle. They just assume you're getting ready to drink some wine. So, if I didn't reach that point, <laughs> if I didn't reach that point in my life where now living for Christ is second nature to me, I would have been drunk the whole time I was in Europe. I would have been walking and stumbling every time because from the time you get on the plane to the time you get back in America, all they're offering you is wine. And if I was the way I used to be, which is I like to indulge, I would have just been drinking the whole time. But I've gone to a place in my life in Christ where I am just flowing in living for God. And those temptations aren't really temptations because I've gone to a place of this is my life not that that's what it is I laughed on my way coming back I said even on the plane we flew over on Air France and we flew back on Delta and I'm figuring we get on Delta okay done and over with I don't have to hear about this wine stuff anymore here comes Delta red wine or white wine and it's for free you didn't have to pay. It's for free. Red wine or white wine. Here they come. I'm like, come on, man. I thought we were just done with this. I thought only Air France did that. But even Delta was doing that. And so my point, again, Europe have created their culture. Wine is their culture. They love to drink wine. That's their culture. They created that. I could have went over and joined into it just to fit in. But my life has already been created by Jesus Christ. And if I go to France, or I go to Italy, or I go to Israel, or I go to Jamaica, it doesn't matter where I go. My life is already set. I'm living for Jesus, and that's all it is. I'm getting really close. Rosie, I can't take my time. I don't want to keep people here. No, I promised myself I'm going to preach. I'm, I, I didn't tell, I don't know if I told you all this, but my goal one of these days, I'm working at it. It's just today was different because I'm coming back from vacation, but I'm working on it. I don't want to preach no more than 40 minutes. 40 minutes is what I'm going to preach. So y'all hold me to it. I'm going to start putting my watch or whatever I got to do. 40 minutes. Not going over that because at the end of the day when people are listening to you, they can only take but so much. And I don't want to give you all so much that you leave out like he said a lot. So, so I, I, I wish I didn't have so much today. That's why I want to. I, want, I need vacation, but sometimes I don't want to go anywhere. Too much, too much, Jesus, too much. But at the end of the day, you have to make the determination what you're going to do with your life. Are you going to just own it because it's yours? You have the choice. 
You can take your life in your hand and do whatsoever you please. But I've already gone through telling you, if you're pleasing you, you're not pleasing Christ. And as much as it might seem that you're a good person, a good person cannot please Christ because you're carnal-minded. Do we get that? You can be good, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're not a godly person because only godliness can please God. And good is not enough. Godliness is what please God. Listen, to live life to please God means to deny your flesh, your carnal thinking. That's what it is. So let me finish up here and tell you how it works. Because I can't just tell you what, but I got to tell you how. So let me get to some hows. And so how do you live life to please God? How? How? Somebody ask me, how do you live life to please God? All right. Here is what I'm going to tell you. So let's say uh, somebody kind of get on your nerves and you don't like them. That's truth. You just don't like somebody. I don't like them. They just, they, they, I just don't connect with them. I, they, they, they get on my nerves. You can either live the way you want and avoid them and don't deal with them. Or you can do what God says, Austin. You can say, you know what? God says, love your enemy. And they're not my enemy. Satan is my enemy. So I'm going to love them. I'm not going to treat them the way I feel, but I'm going to treat them the way God says to treat them. That's how you deny your carnal mindset. That's how you deny yourself. It doesn't feel good at first. Remember what I'm telling you. It's hard at first to say, I don't like that person, but give them love and give them hug and talk nice to them and give them hugs. I know it's hard at first, but if you will try it and begin to do it and begin to do it, after a while it becomes second nature. But you can't just say, I can't do that. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So when you tell God, I can't God says you're just not obeying me. You just want to do what you want, but don't tell me you can't because I will give you the power to do it if you will just trust me and obey me. So instead of just saying, I just go, I'm just going to avoid them, God says no. You go up to them and talk to them nice and you treat them good. What, what, what's another example? Here's another example. Immoral behaviors. Immoral things come to your mind. Wrong things come to your mind. You can go ahead and do it, or you can say, no, not doing that. And call up somebody that's the same gender as you and make them someone that you're accountable to to say, man, I almost messed up my desire, the fleshly desire in me wanted me to do something wrong. You don't have to get into explaining what it is. Just say, the flesh in me wanted me to do something wrong, and I'm calling you just to talk to you, just to talk to you so I can get that off my mind. I'm going to talk to you, then I'm going to go pray. We can pray together and move forward. But you got to push back it's hard at first but if you do it enough it becomes second nature oh man I can't go to church today oh I can't go to Bible study oh I can't go to prayer meeting if you just keep on pushing forth it becomes second nature that's how you do it that's how you live life to please God as opposed to pleasing yourself And so here we go. God doesn't want us to struggle to live for him. And too many Christians are struggling to live for God. And that's not God's will for us. The only reason we struggle to live for God is because we was living in sin. A child that is brought up in the church all their life and nurtured all their life They don't struggle as much to do God's will like someone that wasn't. Because it goes back to you ate of the tree that gives you knowledge of good and evil. The child that you bring up in the church, all they know for the majority of their life is church. And so they know more about God than they do about evil. And so they will tend to do the things of God more than they tend to do evil. And so it's important that we do that. But because most of us was not brought up in church consistently with a family that's praying and fasting and all of that stuff, because most of us, when we start to try to live for God, it becomes hard. It's a struggle. 
But if we just keep on doing it and we keep on adding, sooner or later, we will get over the hump and we will make it second nature to us. Here's the final scripture that I'm going to give you and we're going to be out of here. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The devil is the thief who has come to steal from you and to kill you and to destroy you. That is what he did to Adam in the garden. He lied to him. He stole his authority and caused him to die physically and spiritually. He could not destroy Adam, but he caused Adam to be in a bad place with his relationship with God. The devil may have lied to you. The devil may have stole your authority and caused you to fall apart spiritually, but he can't destroy you. Destroying meaning you can't make it back. And so the devil may have lied to you and may have caused you to give up your your position in God. But as long as you have breath, you have the opportunity, you have the right to reach out to God. You have the right to pray and repent of your sins and call on the name of Jesus. And God can make it right again in your life. As long as you have breath, the devil may have lied to you. He may have stole from you. But you got to let your, you got to tell yourself, you got to talk to yourself. But I still have an opportunity to get right with God. Listen to me. Here's what death is. Death is the separation of the soul from God. Death is the separation of the soul from God. You can be physically living, but be dead. Because, go back to the definition. Death is the separation of the soul from God. So that could mean you can be living, moving, you can be in here today, and you breathing and clapping, but if your soul is not connected to Jesus Christ, if your soul is not connected to the Lord, then you are really dead, because our flesh is going to die no matter what. Adam started that motion, but spiritually we don't have to die. We can stay alive spiritually, and the way we stay alive is allowing our soul to be connected to the one that gave us our soul. We just have to stay connected with Jesus Christ. And if we can do that, we will live and we will have life eternal. What we think is death to God is not death. We think death is this flesh dying and going in the ground, going in the casket and we bury. God is saying, please. And I'm not going to get into that. We live forever no matter what. Your soul, when you die, is separated from God. You know, let's take a moment. Stand with me. We're going to close out here. Let's take a moment before I finish up here. Let's get our souls connected with the Lord. Let's get our souls connected with the Lord. You you might be connected already, but here is what I'm trying to do for everybody. Like we can do it together. How we connect our soul to Christ is by repenting of our sins and asking God to forgive us and and asking God to to, to help us to come out of the situation that we're in so we can be connected to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we have allowed ourselves to live to please ourselves. And oh God, carnality has said it in so many ways in our life. But this afternoon right now, we're coming to you to say, forgive us for living a carnal life. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for living the way we want to and not living to please you. Our soul may be in jeopardy because, Lord, we have lived our own way and not lived to please you. And so I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord God, you will forgive us of our sins. Every one of us that's standing in this room this afternoon, will you forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness? Will you allow the blood of Jesus Christ Oh God, to be applied to our life one more time and that right this moment, Lord God, there will be no sin. There will be no barrier between us and you, Lord God, but we will be able to connect with you and be able to join with you that we can receive clear communication from you that we're able, Lord God, to be right with you. Lord, touch us in a special way. 
God help us today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Listen to me. The Bible says that Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and that you may have life more abundantly. Listen to me. The life here in John chapter 10 verse 10 that Jesus is talking about, he is talking about eternal life. Here is what I'm trying to communicate to you. When Jesus came to mankind, mankind was already living. So when Jesus came to the earth, we were already living beings. So when he says, I've come to give you life, it didn't mean he came to give you life because you already had life. It meant he came to give you eternal life. But then he didn't stop there and just went with eternal life. He says, but I've come to give you abundant life. So he wants to give you eternal abundant life. So here is where God is trying to get us to go right here today. He says, I've come that you may have life and not just have regular life, but have life abundantly. I want to tell you this today. As Christians, we are just living life. As Christians, we're just living this Christian life. We're trying to get by and we're struggling and we want to, to, we're trying to just survive till one day God take us to heaven. And so we're walking with God saying, God, will you help me to get to heaven? And we're struggling. And God says, I didn't come that you just live that struggling life. I came that you may live a life that's filled with abundance. I came that you may have a life that's rich. I came that you may have a life that is overwhelming and overflowing and rich and full. That's why he came. So I'm here to tell you, of everything that I've said this morning, I'm here to tell you, God has come that you may have abundant life. He didn't come for you to struggle. He didn't come that you can barely make it. He didn't come so you can say, oh, one day I'm going to heaven. But God came that this life that you are living will be so joyous. It will be so enjoyable. It will be so great. And you will always feel like I've just got the greatest life. Can I tell you? I, I'm not lying to you, and I'm just using me as an example, but I think I've got the greatest life, Brother Chuby. I think my life is great. Now, compared to a lot of people, they may say, man, how can you think your life is great? I think my life is great because everything I do, whatever I do, however I carry myself, it's all about Jesus. And that just floods my soul. That makes me so satisfied to know everything about me is about Jesus. That's what made me satisfied. Not money, not vacations, not cars. I could care less about those things. Everything is just a means to an end. What I care about is a life that's overflowing with the goodness of God. And that's what God wants for all of us. He wants you to have a life overflowing with His goodness. And so today I ask you, do you want the abundant life or do you just want to get by? Do you want the abundant life or do you want to just get by? Do you want to just survive and hopefully you can keep it together so you can get to heaven or do you want the abundant life? If we're going to have the abundant life, the Bible says we must be born again. So however we used to be, we have to change. And it, there's three steps to being born again. I'm saying this for a reason. Two more minutes and I'm done. When we become born again, the Bible says how you become born again is you repent of your sins. Then you get baptized in Jesus' name. And then God fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's how you get born again. Number one step, you are responsible for repentance. Number two step, you are responsible for. Get baptized. Number three step, you're not responsible for. And so what has happened is many of us kind of just been living in one and two. You're just living life. And God is saying, if you want to experience abundant life, let me fill you with my spirit. And then when I fill you with my spirit, the spirit is what gives life.
And when that spirit start working in you, then you will experience it. See, what happens is some of us have the spirit of God in us, but we don't allow the spirit of God to control us. We just let the spirit of God stay dormant in our life. And the way how you're going to experience abundant life is every day wake up and feed the spirit. Every day wake up and say prayers. Every day wake up and read the word of God. Every day wake up and now as you go, you say, God, I don't know what this day brings today, but whatever it brings, will you make me alert? Will you make me vigilant? Will you make me sober? and ready to approach and grab on to whatever this day beholds. And so what God wants to do is he wants you to show up at your coffee shop one morning and somebody in tears and you walk up to them and says, Jesus, I was praying this morning and he showed me your face and he told me to tell you that he has sent me here to lead you to him. He wants you to go to this church. He wants you to give your life to him and he's going to change you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. And you start to pray for that person and right as you're praying for them, God filled them with the spirit and he overshadows their life and their life is never the same again. That's in the abundance. That's the overflowing of God. But most of us don't want that. We just want to live life. We just want to get our coffee and turn around and walk out of the coffee shop and just keep on living the regular life. And Jesus is saying, no, I want to give you abundant life. I want to do something great in you. And not just have you doing just this regular every day. Same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. God wants to give you abundant life. Will somebody step out of their seat today? Will somebody lift hands to the Lord. Will somebody today surrender to God and say I want the abundant life. Will somebody say Jesus I want this abundant life. I don't want to settle. I don't want to go through the motion. I don't want to be traditional but I want this abundant life. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of every minute I I fall to temptation and giving to sin because I keep on backing up and not keeping keeping on. Father in the name of Jesus. I pray for your people today that they will not back up anymore. That they will fight the good fight of faith. That they will get to the place, my God, of standing still and seeing the salvation of God. Today I pray and I lose faith in this house that somebody will walk out different. That somebody will walk out saying, I grab the hole of the abundant life. I will walk according to the promises and the spirit of God. Come on, talk to God for a moment. Come on, talk to Jesus right now. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. Will you talk to God? Will you Ask him to help you. Will you ask him to take you over the hump where the struggles are? Will you ask him to help you to not struggle in that area anymore? Will you ask him to fill your heart with his word, with his plans, with his purpose, with his promises? In the name of Jesus, will you talk to God today? Will you lift up your voice unto the Lord today? Will you begin to give him honor? Will you begin to honor him and Praise Him and thank Him today. Father, have your way. Let your will be done. I pray a change will come into the life and the home of your people. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. I pray that somebody today will repent of their sin and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I pray that somebody will surrender to you and say, Today, God, I I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. I give my soul to you, oh God. I give my soul. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, bless your people. Let them not leave this place empty today, but fill their cup, Lord God. Let their cup run over. Let their cup run over today. Let their cup run over today. In the name of Jesus, let their cup run over. Fill their cup that it may run over. In the name of Jesus, fill their cup that it may run over. That they will make a decision, Lord God, to follow after you. To stand on your promises, to not settle, but to live in the abundance, to live in the abundance, to live righteous, to live holy. Hallelujah! In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray today that you are given the strength. Oh God, bless you can do all things through Christ. You can do all things through Christ that strengthen you. In the name of Jesus. 
Father, I pray abundance, abundance, abundance. Let the Spirit inspire him. Let the Spirit flow in his life. Let the Spirit flow in his life. I pray the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray the will of God in your life. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray today that you would touch, oh God, your child in a special way. That God this day will cause a change to come into her life. Oh God, there's a need. There's something going on. God wants to do something in your life. God has brought you to this place. And God is speaking to you. God's voice is echoing in your mind. God has spoken to you. God says, now trust me and walk and follow my direction and my path that I set before you. Trust me and I will make a way. Trust me and I will show you my hand. Trust me and I will do great things and miraculous things. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. God says you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Don't you worry. You came where the solution is. And God has come to meet you. There's a solution. There's a direction. There's something that God is doing. Because he has chosen you. He's called you. His will will be done in your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. God says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. You're hearing me. I'm calling you. You're hearing me. Oh, my son, will you hear my voice? Oh, my son, will you hear my voice? Oh, my son, will you hear my voice? If you will trust me, I will make the way. If you will trust me, I will show you my greatness. If you will trust me, I will direct and I will order your life. If you will trust me, I will show you the goodness of God. If you trust me, I will shield you. I will protect you. I will make a way for you out of no way. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I bind the spirit. I bind the work of the enemy. And I loose upon you the will of God, the power of God. I loose upon you faith. Oh God. Determination that God is saying, I want you to be determined in serving me. I want you to be determined in living for me. I want you to be dogmatic about living for me. And I will make the way. And I will show you my greatness. And I will show you my mighty hand. But you gotta obey me. You gotta trust me. You gotta walk by faith and not by sight. And not by your feelings. And not by your passions. And not by your emotions. You gotta trust me. I brought you a long way. I brought you here. I was the one that saved you. Now, will you trust me for the rest of your life? Will you trust me? I set you free. I set you free from your past, from your past, and from the work of the enemy. And I loose upon you the power of God. I pray the gift of the Holy Ghost will begin to take charge over you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your prayer. 